Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of June 17th to June 23rd. I am your nasally E3 plague victim host, Colin McIsaac, and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. Yeah, you can blame me for Colin getting sick. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Ben Lamoureux. I am plague free, thankfully. <laughs> Uh, that, that's an insight. Ben pronounces words like plague and vague and all those. They're spelled that way. Plague. It says plague and vag. And that was something we found is out at e plaque on so. your teeth? Is that like plague? Oh my god. Just a little inside joke for those of you listening. Uh, anyway, we are jumping back into the routine of news roundups this week. We're mostly going to be picking up from after E3 rather than from Wednesdays like we normally do. After the break, we're going to have our very first Mystery House section here on the show, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, there was a ton of news regarding Metroid Prime Federation Force this week, so we're going to start off with that. Let's dive into this uh, um, sticky subject. A petition is calling for the cancellation of Metroid Prime Federation Force, and it has around 20,000 signatures already. A second petition has surfaced, calling for the first petition to be taken down, but it's not getting much traction. Um, in response to the negative feedback surrounding Federation Force, Reggie says that the game is a tough concept to communicate. And this is why Nintendo chose to demo more footage of it during the Nintendo Treehouse livestreams during E3. Reggie also says that the feedback for Blast Ball has been quite fabulous, his words. Um, although, I don't know about YouTube, but I've... I've mostly seen mixed reception for Blast Ball. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it bad, but I certainly wouldn't call it fabulous. Yeah, people aren't trashing it like they're trashing Federation Force, but from from what I gleaned on the e E3 show for, most people just kind of had a, well, I guess this game is kind of fun mentality towards it. Yeah, that, that's kind of how we felt too. It seems like it's, it's a tutorial mode that they threw together to get people to try out the game, and then there's no longevity. Like, that's it. That's all you get. Well, it's kind of fun a little bit competitively, but yeah, it's it's pretty shallow. Yeah. Um, um, we'll see how it, how it evolves, though. I mean, I'm more thrown by his comment that it has a tough concept to communicate because, I mean, it, yeah, Metroid game, you think that's easy to understand. A cooperative shooter, there are plenty of those. Like, where are, where exactly are they going wrong here that, that this is tough to communicate? Yeah, I think it's less, less about it being tough to communicate and just more about it being not what fans wanted communicated to tough them. Tough to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People, it's it's a pretty unpopular concept to communicate. Not exactly a hard T one. Tough to sell, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kensuke Tanabe, the producer of Metroid Prime, revealed that there will be Metroids in Federation Force, and Samus will also make an appearance at some point. Likewise, Reggie has said that Nintendo knows very well that fans want a tried and true Samus era and adventure. Tanabe also hopes that Metroid Prime Blast Ball will ease beginners into first-person shooter gameplay. Blast Ball focuses on fun, whereas Federation Force's main campaign will be more challenging, so getting acclimated to the controls in the safer game environment of Blast Ball will of course be helpful for new recruits. Tanabe lastly revealed that he wants to continue the story of Metroid Prime where he left off with Prime 3. Um, however, he revealed that a new Metroid Prime game is not in development, and even if Nintendo started right now, it would still most likely be on their next console, not on Wii U. Yeah, the, the time frame that he gave was if we were to start working on Metroid Prime right now, it would be another three years till it comes out. So unfortunately for people really hoping for a 3D Metroid, it's it's not going to happen for a while, and it looks like Nintendo's first HD system will not be getting a Metroid. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Federation Force actually was considered to be a Wii U game, uh, but Nintendo, quote, had to consider the resources it would take and what teams to devote for a Wii U game. There was also a multiplayer game in development for DSi, actually, um, a while ago, but it was canceled due to hardware limitations. And this is the second time recently that we've heard about a Metro game being canceled, because before they started working on Federation Force, Next Level Games had actually pitched a 2D Metroid to Nintendo, but it was shut down. So, you know, for the, for the Metroid faithful that have been waiting years for a new game, and even longer for a game that, you know, they enjoyed... Um, it's, it's just really disheartening to see multiple Metroid projects getting scrapped along right. the way. Right, and this goes back to, you know, the comments that Nintendo's been saying for a while about they don't really know uh, what direction to take Metroid in next and, and, and where to bring the series. But I, I've never really understood those comments because, 
I mean, obviously, the direction is Metroid Prime, is 2D Metroids. Like, make those games. Those are the ones people obviously want. Why is there any trouble whatsoever from a development standpoint in figuring out what to do with the series? Well, yeah, you look at the popularity curve for the franchise, and the first game was pretty popular on NES. It was the the hardcore gamers game on NES. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then you look at Super Metroid, which is basically a retread of the original Metroid. And then you look at Metroid Prime, which is a 3D first-person retread of Super Metroid. Like, there's not a difficult formula here. Yeah. Federation Force was originally conceptualized because of the C-Stick on the new Nintendo 3DS, and so Nintendo wanted to launch it originally alongside the new model of the system. Uh, Just to be clear, it's not a new 3DS exclusive, but twin-stick controls are obviously not going to be an option on the older models. The sort of chibi-style character designs were chosen over the traditional style because of the small screen of the 3DS, and Nintendo decided to have Federation Soldiers star in the game instead of Samus because of the game's focus on multiplayer. Um, Tanabe also mentioned that um, given where he wants the story to pick up for Metroid Prime, uh, he would imagine in Metroid Prime 4 he would want the Federation to be involved in some way, and so it made sense now to make a game that further fleshes out the role of the Federation in the Metroid universe in order to prepare people for uh, their role in Metroid Prime 4. I don't know how effective that strategy will be just because this is, you know, a, a spin-off game that clearly deviates from the, the core mechanics of Metroid quite a bit. So if story is going to be this important thing to Metroid Prime 4, and spe- specifically the story of the uh, Galactic Federation, I, I don't know that setting them up in this sort of weird spin-off game is really going to help anyone grasp that story anymore because I don't think very many people are going to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, any story they tell about the Federation is going to be a side story that most people don't get into It's unless it's a main series Metroid game, which this obviously isn't um i'm i'm more curious about why they think a chibi style designs are necessary on a small screen because ds had a smaller screen and metroid prime hunters did not use a chibi style it used metroid prime style uh so i i I don't know i mean well we know next level games was interested uh when they pitched the 2d metroid they were interested in in completely restylizing the franchise um, you know, that, that, that Samus concept art we saw was nothing like Samus looked in the, the older ones. It was, it was very stylized, uh, in terms of its designs. So I, th- this could just be a result of, of next level games wanting to play around with the look of the series and then deciding on this chibi design because of the 3DS's smaller screen. Not that the style change was inherently a result of bringing the series down on, on the smaller screen. Did that make any sense? Everyone's silent. Yeah, I kind of I think so. I just have nothing. Okay, okay. (laughs) I do think it makes sense to have the Federation soldiers star in this game because, uh, and I think Tanabe might have even said this, but it doesn't really make sense to have Samus as a main character in a multiplayer game because otherwise what do you do with the other players? Yeah. Uh, They can't all be Samus, obviously, unless they pull a Four Swords thing, which I don't think think fans would enjoy that very much. (laughs) Metroid Prime Triforce Hero. I thought Metroid was just one character. Um, <laughs> He's my favorite character of all. Yeah, so but so from that perspective, I think a Federation-focused game makes sense if they're going to be doing a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. Federation Force also has a little bit of an RPG element to it, actually, um, as you can arm your mech with different weapons in between each mission. It sounds like typical FPS loadouts to me. I don't know why they're mm-hmm. calling it RPG. And finally, Reggie says to fans... Play the game, and then we can have a conversation. He's laying down the law here. Um, He points to the Wind Waker and how poorly it was originally received because of its art style um, back, you know, when they showed it at at that E3, uh, and yet how lovingly Nintendo fans have embraced the game since. He says Nintendo will continue to push the envelope in doing something high quality, so he really wants the naysayers to just reserve judgment until they've actually tried it. So I think Reggie's right in that uh, fans are... Just reacting way too harshly to this, and I've said before that I think the biggest reason people are making such a stink about this game is just because it has Metroid in the title, and that if they had pitched this concept as a new IP, it would be much better received. Um, Where I disagree with him, though, is in comparing it to The Wind Waker, because with Wind Waker, the overwhelming majority of the criticism against it was the tune art style, and a lot of that was because just a year before, Nintendo had showed off a Zelda tech demo at the previous E3, with more realistic style. So people were kind of expecting that, and then Wind Waker came out, or the the first trailer for Wind Waker came out, and it was just vastly different graphically from what they were expecting. But people weren't really complaining about the gameplay that they saw in the early footage. Whereas with Federation Force, the gameplay is the main problem for people. I mean, there's some gripes about the graphics as well, like the chibi style and, and how everything looks a little dated, frankly. 
but um, most people are just upset that you're taking this isolationist, the series that's typically isolationist, and making it four-player co-op and making the main character not a main character. Yeah, yeah. I really wish I could play as Metroid. <laughs> I, I think the other flaw in the comparison is he says in the interview, you know, we will develop things that we know are high quality and that we know will deliver in the marketplace. And if you look at how Wind Waker turned out, yeah, people loved it uh, who played it, but it did not deliver in the marketplace, which is why you saw all these drastic changes with Twilight Princess, which is why you saw Wind Waker 2 get canned. Uh, and only later did Iji Aonuma decide to pick up that style again for another, like, not Four Swords entry. So I don't think mm-hmm. if he wants to compare Metroid Prime Federation Force to Wind Waker, he's making the right kind of comparison. I don't think he wants Metroid Prime Federation Force to sell like Wind Waker sold. Well, I think they would be lucky if it sold like Wind Waker sold. I think given this criticism, it's probably... Well, I mean, in, in terms of raw numbers, sure, but yeah, not yeah. like relative no, know, to I'm the other games the in this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot. But yeah, so that's... That's the end of uh, Federation Force news, uh, finally. For now. Uh, yeah, for now. No more Federation Force news ever. <laughs> so you'll have some customization while playing Star Fox Zero, as Nintendo has revealed. Uh, they, you can turn off the gyro controls, and you can also swap the gamepad screen and the TV screen, so you can get the cockpit view on the TV and the, the main view on the gamepad. So that's all well and good, especially if you really hate the gyro controls. But I worry that certain chunks of the game possibly even really significant sections, are still going to be designed around flying in one direction and shooting in another. And without gyro controls, that will be impossible. So playing those sections will become extremely difficult as a result. And not a good kind of difficult. Now, I I didn't see anything at E3 that leads me to believe this, although, Alex, I know you saw a different part of the game than I did, and and one that was less traditionally Star Fox. Um, Did you notice any scenarios where this was the case? I wouldn't say there's any scenario where, for example, you're going to turn right and shoot left, but I will say that the main benefit I think they're they're seeing from the gyro controls is that your movement is not mapped 1-1 to the direction that you're aiming. So, for mm-hmm. example, if you're turning right, you can have a little bit of leeway in where exactly your cursor is aimed. You know, as a good example of how this works in practice, uh, there's an, a level at E3 where you're dogfighting with Pigma, and Pigma might not be... Uh, exactly in the middle of your field of view, so you might need to to make a really sharp turn to catch up with him. Uh, And you can just hammer the the joystick to the left, but still have a little bit of nuance in where on the screen you're aiming, which really helps you take him down quickly. Um, It's going to take some getting used to for people to whom it's not immediately intuitive. I know you and Ben had some issues with the aiming and turning, but... uh, but I mean, I obviously didn't, so I don't know if everyone's going to get used to it or if it's just going to be something that just people just aren't going to like. Um, a big problem for me wasn't the fact that you know gyro, tro- gyro controls are included because I actually really liked them in the 3DS version, the 3DS port of uh, 64. But uh, the jarring way that it forces you to switch to them at times, like I'm, I'll be looking at yeah. the main screen and I'll be yeah, I, you know, I agree. center focused and everything, and all of a sudden the camera shifts so that my R wing's off in like the far left corner of the screen. And I can't see where I'm flying. And I'm like, oh, I, I guess I have to look at the gamepad now. And it just kind of forces you to do it. It's it's not so much a feature to me as it is something that kind of lock you into doing. Yeah, it was a really obnoxious design decision, for example, when you're facing the boss and the boss is always in the center of the screen, regardless of which yeah. direction you're flying. Like, I thought that was really yeah. stupid. It would be one thing if it's easier to aim at the boss when you do it in the first person view, which uses the gamepad but they're forcing you to use the gamepad. It's so hard. That camera angle with the gamepad, I just can't, I can't do that. You can't see hardly anything except what's immediately in front of you. Yeah. And when you can't see anything that's not immediately in front of you, you basically just can't play Star Fox. Yeah, especially during these big boss battles with these giant ships. Anyway, now this issue could be solved if they added an additional uh, optional control scheme, uh, like the one in Kid Icarus Uprising, which I would love to see them do for Star Fox Zero. Uh, but just given how the gamepad screen and TV screen show two totally different views, and those camera angles are so radically different, um, I can see a feature like that being really hard to implement. Well, I mean, Miyamoto wouldn't be happy if you didn't use his gyro controls. So. <laughs> so some fans have been speculating that Zelda U may get pushed back to the NX if it wasn't ready to show off at E3 this year, but Shigeru Miyamoto says not to worry about that. Uh, he says they do have new footage of the show to show off at some point, but they chose not to at E3. 
Reggie fils says they chose not to show off Zelda U at E3 this year because they thought fans would be more frustrated than excited by it. Not because of any bad stuff in the game, but just because it was recently delayed and he says they didn't want to pour salt on those fresh wounds by showing it off. Reggie also says Nintendo just fundamentally doesn't believe in showing content at E3 that won't be coming out in the short term. He reaffirmed that there is more footage and that fans should have no fears because, as he says, it's going to be wonderful. Uh, Nintendo doesn't believe in showing content at E3 that won't be coming out in the short term? Uh, <clears throat> like Zelda U was shown like, off last year. Like they showed Smash Bros. Brawl like right before it came out? Not <laughs> two and a half years before it came out? They showed Smash Bros. 3DS and Wii U at E3, was it 2011? They announced it. They mentioned them. Well, they, they, they announced mentioned them it, before they were in development. Still, yeah. <laughs> Like, the, the, I, I believe the story actually was Sakurai, that's how he found out he yeah. was going to be the director. Yeah. Because they said, Masahiro Sakurai is going to be the director. Yeah. And he's like, what? And I'm, I I'm pretty sure Xenoblade Chronicles X was first shown off at like E3, like 1997 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that game is going to be almost three years be- between the time it was yeah. first shown when it comes out. Anyway, it, it maybe that's a new sort of principle that they've they've instilled in the, you know, the last 12 months, but... Yeah, I, I don't get it, the mentality. It's a fishy, I feel like I don't get the mentality of showing this game off will be salt in the wounds because anytime I see a game delayed, almost all the comments are like, "Oh, we want a new trailer. When are we going to see the game again? Yeah, At least yes. tell us something every time." Yeah, fans get more yeah. frustrated when you keep them in the dark about games that are coming out than they do when you show them games that are coming out. Yeah, and I think especially given just the the overwhelmingly negative reaction to this direct, which or the digital event, which we've gone over before, it was not a very good show. Um, you know, I think that just goes to show that not showing those big games like Zelda U, like whatever Retro is working on, like well, I don't know whatever else is in the pipeline, that created frustration. It didn't. It didn't avoid it. Yeah. I mean, so. people don't just look to E3 to see what's coming out now. They look to E3 to see what the future of the console is going to be like, whether it's going to be yeah. worth buying into, not just in the next six months, but over the next couple of years. Yeah. And not to mention, uh, E3 is, media-wise, the biggest gaming event of the year. So if you have something super exciting to show off, E3 is the time to do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, as for the comment about NX, I mean, I'm not worried it's not going to come to Wii U, but I actually think it should be cross-gen so you should definitely be cross-gen yeah, i'm with you on that um otherwise they're just missing out on an opportunity to first of all have a decent zelda game at a launch of a console that isn't a remake mm-hmm. uh and second of all you know i think you, we've talked about this before but if this is going to be the ultimate zelda game it needs to be on the ultimate nintendo console not on the yep. failing nintendo console <laughs> and not to mention you know that that strategy worked extremely well with Twilight Princess, and the Wii version of Twilight Princess sold substantially more than the GameCube version. Oh yeah, the Wii version sold like about seven million, and the GameCube sold about one and a half. So yeah, I mean the one drawback I guess would be if you want to keep the goodwill of Wii U customers, you might not want the only Zelda, original Zelda game that's coming to your system to not exclusively be on that system. But I think the benefits far outweigh the drawbacks of yeah, pissing off Wii U owners. Reports are surfacing stating that Nintendo's stock took a huge hit after their E3 digital event didn't meet expectations, but we just want to clarify real quickly that it was a very, very small drop, only about 0.6% or so, but it was making rounds on some gaming news sites, and the accompanying image was zoomed in insanely far, so that tiny blip looked instead like a huge nosedive. Um, but stock fluctuates by a percentage or two on a regular basis, so there's no real reason to believe that investors saw Nintendo's E3 presence as particularly negative, even if fans did. Something that might contribute to that is Nintendo also held a behind-closed-doors meeting at E3 with uh, investors and, and other business partners like that, so it's possible they saw some things that we didn't see. Mm-hmm. I get the impression, too, that investors aren't basing their uh, decisions on their core gaming lineup right now they're basing their decisions on all these areas they're expanding into over the next few years right quality of life Uh, universal studios so even though it's kind of weird to see this poor showing at e3 and think that nintendo's somehow going to match their sales from last year which is what they're projecting is going to happen uh i don't think investors really care Mm. reggie says that nintendo is doubling or tripling their sales estimates for amiibo in order to meet demand and later stated that nintendo has been scaling up amiibo production and will continue to do so Uh, He says that Nintendo is extremely pleased with the success of Amiibo and promises their commitment to approving their supply. 
uh, improving their supply. I think I said approving. <laughs> um, finally, he also calls accusations that they're intentionally undersupplying Mebo, uh, creating artificial scarcity, trying to 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 create a media frenzy by frustrating everyone. He says that's just absolute rubbish. Rubbish is the word he used. You know, he basically says the same thing we've all been saying. You know, why on earth would they do that? They're just frustrating people and and losing, you know, potential profits if they do that. Because that's a bunch of people who want to give them their money and can't. So, uh, you know, they're not, they're not intentionally understocking. There's also another story uh, that is... I didn't make it onto the podcast planning queue, but we've reported on since then. Uh, they still hand paint all their amiibo. Why do they do that? It's 2015. Nintendo. What are they doing? Yeah, I uh. mean, those scalpers don't need hand painted amiibo. They just need amiibo to scalp. <laughs> well, <laughs> if they stopped hand painting the amiibo, the amiibo, they wouldn't be able to scalp them very well. Yeah. Nintendo of America has been pushing Nintendo of Japan to create an amiibo centric game more along the lines of Skylanders or Disney Infinity than that silly amiibo tap thing we got a couple months ago. Um, whether or not anything actually comes out of those communications is anyone's guess, uh, much less what a game like that would actually look like. I certainly can't imagine Nintendo just ripping off either of those two franchises, but you know, what, what they would do instead, I also can't imagine. Yeah, honestly, it's at the point where I think they might as well rip off Skylanders or Disney Infinity just because those models seem to be working really, really well. They won't. But a big part of those models working well is that those amiibo figurines are available in stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But I'm just in this hypothetical world where an amiibo <laughs> game will actually work in a perfect because world. people will actually have amiibo. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think a, a Skylander-style game could be very profitable, but Nintendo of America, no matter how hard they push Nintendo of Japan, it doesn't matter until these shortages are fixed. So, Right. Yeah. Hyrule Warriors Legends will include new story details that aren't in the Wii U game. This includes an epilogue involving the Wind Waker universe, and there are also more new characters coming to the game that haven't been announced yet. And I will say, it had better be Groose. Yes. <laughs> Set him loose. Other than that, though, I could also see Lineback or Alfonso. Uh, could be kind of neat. Lineback would be wonderful. Or Vati is the other standout. Uh, Groose and Vati, I think, should be the frontrunners. Um, and then, of course, the female Link that we saw as concept art from the original Hyrule Warriors, which the internet discovered and then absolutely loved, uh, she's probably a shoe in We've already actually seen her crossbow in that whole cast-wide promo image, so she's pretty much a lock. Yeah, I wonder what that means for the future of Link, and specifically whether Link can be female in future games, because if they're introducing that idea, you know, that, 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 that can't just be a one-off thing. Well, it could be. could be a Hyrule Warrior-specific thing, but I don't know if that's particularly likely. We'll see. Uh, Makar from Wind Waker? I oh, like him. Kind of cool. Yeah. Medley too. Hand in the toilet. <laughs> toilet hand. Yes. Personally, I'd love to see Yito from Twilight Princess, the the big dumb yeti guy. The giant one, right? Yeah. No, no, not not the boss, but the the stupid one who makes pumpkin soup. Yes, with the with <laughs> the beaver tail. The idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that could him. be his uh his Super Smash or whatever attack is is the uh be the pumpkin soup. soup flooding the the battlefield yes or snot kid can you imagine snot kid playable oh god uh so one thing i'm interested in is with the 3ds version getting all this extra content you know story missions and characters and so on and so forth um and it's just 40 bucks while well, wii u owners already paid 60 bucks and then bought all the dlc which i don't know what does that even come up to like 80 or something with everything it's something um, like that or maybe more I, than I 80 think... i'd say I think it would be a shame if this content doesn't come to the Wii U, and preferably for free, given the fact that Wii U owners have already paid more than what 3DS owners would be paying for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the free thing is kind of not going to happen, because when they first revealed this game, they advertised that you can transfer stuff from the 3DS version to the Wii U version. So... Yeah. But it should come to the Wii U version, that's yeah. absolutely true. Um, it's also, you know... One thing to consider, it's certainly true that it's a shame if the 3DS owners can pay 40 bucks for all this extra content, but also the trade-off is it's probably not going to be nearly as good mm -hmm. a game, just the, the, the base game itself. It's, you know, it can show way fewer enemies, the draw distance is not going to be nearly as good, um, so that's just something to consider. You know, the core experience is probably not going to be as good, and, that, and that's probably not going to make up for, you know, the the halved price but it's still it's something something that i think a lot of people aren't talking about but it's important to, to yeah. know oh, there, there are actually some 
kind of interesting gameplay improvements. Uh, like, for example, you, it looks like you can switch between characters that are on the battlefield. Yes. I hope that, oh, that comes so to the nice. Wii U game. And, and definitely for free. I think that will probably free. be a free update. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's because the Wii U version. One of the most annoying things is how bad the teammates' AI is. Yeah. Well, and plus having to run across the field in the middle of the battle. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to drop whatever I'm doing to run across the field just in some fleeting hope that usually doesn't even pan out well uh, that I can save my teammates. And then I'll I'll get there and I have to find who it is and then I'll have to go like touch them in that that circle of health that they have to restore their health. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on, like. You're terrible at this game, and you're a computer player. What are you doing? Yeah, and I'm just as excited to have more field coverage because it's it's a pain when you lose, uh, you know, battlefield areas just because you're not over there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and your teammates are terrible <laughs> and can't hold it for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie was asked about the sales of Wii U as compared to PlayStation Four and Xbox One, and in response, he said, "We're still at the very early stages of the current generation." He also said that unlike the competition, Wii U has strength in the Americas, Europe, and Japan. Um, what he's probably referring to, Xbox One is selling terribly in Japan. Something like 300 units sold on launch day. God. Um, yeah, but that's, that's not good. That's just Xbox One. PS4 is, I think, no, now I know, selling better than Wii U in Japan. It is. I know, I know. And Europe so, and you know, America. And Europe and America, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also... We're still at the very very early stages of the current generation. Uh, well, Xbox One and PS4 are at the very early stages, but Wii U is at least in the middle, if not you know, getting closer to the end of its life, and it's already been passed up by the two consoles that are still early on. So I, I don't really see that as a, uh, an argument that holds up, unless he expects a really big spike in Wii U sales in the near future, which is unlikely given the E3 presentation that they just gave us. Right, given given how few games they showed, and given, um, I mean, you know, I, I think that's a sign that Wii U is starting to go on its way out, and so it's not likely that you know there's going to be a huge push after this year. Well, plus they're talking so. about showing NX next year, so I mean, yeah. early stages of the generation, sure. Uh, when what do you call <laughs> NX then? Is that part of the current generation? I hope not. Well, they, I can imagine a scenario in which they're trying to position NX as the competitor to PS4 and Xbox One, like the current gen. Well, thing. it's going to have to be. But I mean, U, from a clearly, Wii U had like a big enough head start against PS4 and Xbox One that it was kind of in the middle of generations, and it was also it was playing catch up to PS3 and 360. So, I mean, I could see a scenario when they try to sort of say, hey, Wii U is great and all, but NX is our current-gen console. Yeah, I mean, that'd be very revisionist, though, don't you think? <laughs> it would. No, it absolutely would, but I I can see it happening. Yeah. I'm not saying I think it's terribly likely, but I can see yeah. it. So the Nintendo World Championships were a hit, uh, with Reggie saying that Nintendo's targets for the event were blown away. Because of this, the Nintendo World Championships could return again in the future, and not after a 25-year wait this time. Uh, in fact, according to one report, the Nintendo World Championships will be returning next year, and Reggie also mentioned that they'll be talking about the event's success and how to keep it going for the future back in Redmond after E3, so it's possible, you know, now E3's been done for four days, that they could be talking about it now. But those talks would even include uh, talking about making the preliminaries more accessible in more locations. And this is actually something I don't think we addressed in last week's episode, but for all the ill will we gave Nintendo over the rollout of the World Championships, the finale was actually really, really incredible. So, you know, we owe it to you guys at Nintendo to say, amazing job. You really nailed every corner of the event. Uh, so congratulations and thank you. Um, I went in person. I had an amazing time. I cried at the Earthbound Beginnings reveal. No shame. <laughs> um, I, I stand by everything we said about the preliminaries, though. Uh, there should have been way more rounds, way more locations. I still think all that was a disaster, but we've... We've made that point plenty of times over. Uh, now it's the time to say kudos on an amazing, awesome show, awesome finals. It was a ton of fun, and hopefully the coming years will only get better. Yeah, and just based on how well-received the finals were, I hope Nintendo takes that interest and runs with it, and in you know future years makes it a bigger event, makes the prelim preliminary rounds a bigger event, and doesn't just kind of mm -hmm. throw it together last and minute. And even makes more preliminaries, because mm -hmm. eight rounds, I mean, you know, we... we, we, we talked a lot and and talked ill will about how eight rounds for or eight locations for a preliminary is nothing that should be the semifinals and so hopefully they have you know more preliminary rounds and qualifying rounds and then they use that to say 
okay, here's the first tier, here's the second tier, here's the quasi-finals, here's the semifinals, and then here's the finale. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a much more structured tournament like that would, would be much They better. could do with more build-up in general, I think. Not just with this, but yeah. with Nintendo no, Directs, yeah, with all these other things where they, we kind of find out at the last yeah. minute. Uh, yeah. Shigeru Miyamoto says that Wii U faced challenges because people didn't understand it. Um, additionally, the rise of tablets during the time that they were working on developing the Wii U from the idea phase into an actual product made Wii U's features less unique by the time it was available on the market. Reggie, meanwhile, says that the Wii U did so poorly at launch because it just really didn't have a very good launch lineup. Uh, but when software like Mario Kart and Smash Bros. came in, sales took off, he says. Um, Miyamoto went on to say that Nintendo likes to try unique things, but sometimes they, they aren't as big of a hit as expected. Um, he hopes, however, that NX will be a big hit, but says affordability and uniqueness of the system are what's most important to them. Um, weren't Wii U holiday sales, like, the best year for the console so far? Yes. <laughs> like, so, wait, you mean last year? I, I mean, the launch launch holiday sales. Yeah, no, they were. Yeah. This, is, this is a really depressing statistic that I, I like to throw out because I'm a really depressing person. <laughs> Wii U True. sold over 3 million units in its first six weeks on the market, and it has currently sold 9.5 9. million. So Reggie's comments about it was slow at launch, but after new titles came out, it picked up. Really, one-third of all Wii U sales happened in the first six weeks it was on the market. And its second and yeah. third holiday seasons were actually both weaker. In fact, if you combine their sales, they were weaker than its first holiday season. So it's true that big games like uh, Mario Kart and Super Smash Bros. gave it a temporary, like for a week or two, sales hike. But in reality, the big titles have not created sustained growth at all. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Reggie's comments are basically just flat out wrong. Yeah. It's You're... just PR speak. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, and, and it's it's sad because it shows how wise it was, in fact, to include a 2D Mario game at launch because the 2D Mario game seems to have added more momentum to Wii U than any of the other games that we've seen since then. Well, I don't know that it was the 2D Mario game adding momentum um, so much as it was the the new console having its own momentum just because there are a lot of Nintendo fans, and I think it's fair to say that there are 3 million people in the world who are dedicated Nintendo fans and willing to buy their hardware just for its hardware. Additionally, I think a lot of the early on sales were uh, also fueled by scalpers just because Wii was sold out for two years straight after it launched. So I think a lot of people expected a similar situation with Wii U or and either bought them up quick because they wanted to scalp them or bought them up quick because they were worried about others scalping them. Miyamoto also says that he hopes that Super Mario Maker can spread the joy of making video games to more and more people. He says making games is still just his favorite thing in the world, and he hopes that more people will be able to experience what great fun it is, thanks to what a great tool Mario Maker is, not only for playing games, but also for making your own. Can confirm, is fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's good to see that they're bringing back content from the older Mario games, but not in the super new Super Mario Brothers style. That's, uh, I think people well, appreciate... Well, they're adding Super Mario, new Super Mario style. Yeah, but you also I have, you, you know, the older styles, which I think people yeah. are more fond of. And so I hope that this is a signal that not only do people kind of get to express themselves in their Super Mario experience, but that we're kind of uh, looking back more at, at those styles and, and kind of departing from the new Super Mario Brothers style. Reggie says that Nintendo is staying close to how the technology of virtual reality is evolving, but right now the current state of VR in gaming is not fun. Um, he says in order for it to really take off, VR is going to have to be more fun and more social, but that right now it's really just this shiny new toy, and unless anything comes along to substantiate it, it's just not actually interesting. And I've got to agree with him. I've tried a lot of VR demos at PAX and at E3, and it's, it's neat, but... That's really the highest praise I can give it, is that it's neat. I can definitely tell that once the industry starts making these really amazing, immersive, and substantial experiences, it's going to be something truly incredible. But right now, all we've got are a bunch of low-poly gnome demos, and, and he's right, that isn't fun. Once you've spent a few minutes getting used to the spectacle of being in the virtual reality world, you just you want to take the helmet off at that point and move on, because the games aren't there to show for it, and, and really all you're there for is being in a virtual reality and not actually playing a game that that uses virtual reality to its advantage 
Yeah, right now when I look at VR, I feel like I'm looking at the kinds of games third parties were making for Wii when it first came out. That's a really good way to describe it, actually. Yeah, I mean, obviously VR is this really cool idea. And honestly, VR even feels, from a technical standpoint, a lot like Wii did in the sense that it's very motion-oriented. It's a new kind of 3D gaming. uh, But you don't have the kind of Wii Sports killer app. Instead, you have kind of all these third parties trying to rush into this new space and not really sure what to do with it. Right. Uh, Yeah, the one issue I'll take with what Reggie said is that I don't think VR inherently needs to be a socially driven experience. Well, Facebook would. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, I think think he's more seeing it from a sales perspective. Like, before Nintendo can get involved, it has to be socially uh, related. But I, I don't think that... For the game to be fun, it has to be social. Or for the tech to be fun, it has to be social. That's just kind of icing on the cake. And finally, it would not be a true episode of Nintendo Week if we did not mention Mother 3. Uh, obviously, with the release of Earthbound Beginnings and Lucas coming to Smash Bros., Mother 3 is on everyone's minds, and not just mine for once. Um, so it's, it's come up in the news a few times recently. So first, Reggie says that they get asked about Mother 3 all the time. They know the love is there, and now with the first two games on the eShop seeing good success, he says, we'll see what happens. In another interview, he explains that releasing Mother 3, just like any other game, really, is in part about getting a return on their investment. In other words, the money and work that they put into localizing and releasing the game needs to be exceeded or at least made up by what it earns in sales. Enough people need to buy it for them to justify making it. And because this series is so niche, he says, they're just not sure of it yet. Yeah, and that's why Earthbound Beginnings is probably what they went with first before Mother 3, just because there's an existing translation. Right, because they don't really have any investment to make. It's already... Yeah. yeah. Now, the good news is that Earthbound is on the Virtual Console, and it's doing great. Uh, That game's success prompted them to launch Earthbound Beginnings last week, which Reggie says is also doing quite well. So, and this is my speculative work, but I'm confident it's accurate. Um, Nintendo is using the sales numbers of Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings to determine whether the audience is there for Mother 3 in the West. And Reggie said himself that these games are doing well. This is the first time they've spoken openly about the subject in years, so there is hope. It can happen. All that's left for us, and for you guys to do, is to buy the Earthbound games on Virtual Console if you haven't already. Uh, They're cheap, they're amazing, they're inspiring, they're some of the best, most underrated RPGs ever made, and you're going to love them. And they're both under $10. I mean, that's one of the best values you're ever going to get on a game. But also, very importantly, buying these games is the way that we can show Nintendo there is an audience here for these games. We'll buy Earthbound, we'll buy Earthbound Beginnings, and we want to buy Mother 3. So let's do it. Let's buy these games. Let's give them something to believe in. And more importantly, let's give Colin another reason to cry. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you buy these games and Mother 3 gets released, we'll have just endless videos of Colin crying. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's how they did that? Like, they announced it at the World Championships next year? I'm picturing it. Your tears are delicious. I don't think that'll happen. No, I don't think that will happen. I'm just saying, like, how funny It'll be a be? random Nintendo Direct, sorry. If, like, No, I'm sure it will. I want them to release it on Mother's Day. How perfect would that be? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Buy, buy Earthbound, buy Earthbound Beginnings. They're amazing games, amazing games, and they're super cheap, and it'll show Nintendo that we want Mother. Anyway, as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. So first, some upcoming dates to look out for. On June 25th, you can download Art Academy Home Studio in North America. That's June 26th for Europe. Also on June 26th, for everyone, Nintendo will hold its 75th annual shareholders meeting. Finally, Pokémon Tournament is launching in Japanese arcades throughout the month of July. And then a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. Ukulele's Kickstarter raised $3.29 million and hit all of its stretch goals in its, its last few days, so Ukulele's Kickstarter is fully funded, obviously, um, and it, it's, it's over now, so if you wanted to back it, too late, sorry. Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer lets players choose their skin tone for the first time in the series. Happy Home Designer will also support the Animal Crossing series of amiibo figurines in addition to the amiibo cards. It's being reported that a ton of Yarn Yoshi amiibo have been destroyed in France. Nintendo is also working on an R-Wing amiibo, although we haven't heard any news of a Star Fox line of amiibo. Star Wolf will return in Star Fox Zero. 
Miyamoto wants Star Fox Zero's classically inspired visuals to stand out from the crowd of realistic modern games that all look very similar. Nintendo plans to use their puppets from the E3 digital event uh, in future events. Splatoon's first North American Splatfest has been postponed. Data mining has revealed tons of new weapons, maps, and modes for Splatoon. There's just an absolute ton of stuff, so check it out at Gamnesia if you're interested. There's a bunch of new Splatoon content that's available now since our latest news recap, including a new weapon that launched just last night. And I got it right this time! It's last night! Woo! Yeah! It came out the night we're recording. It takes about 30 hours to get a mech in Xenoblade Chronicles X. That's longer than most games even are. A newly discovered glitch makes Pac-Man totally unfair in Super Smash Bros. Link's classic NES appearance is now a costume in Hyrule Warriors. Axiom Verge is probably coming to Wii U in 2016. Yes! <laughs> Keji Inafune still wants to make Mega Man Legends 3. Analysts are predicting a bright future for Nintendo's mobile content. Reggie hints that the smaller model of new Nintendo 3DS may come to North America. Reggie says that there are unannounced digital-only games that are coming exclusive to new Nintendo 3DS, much like The Binding of Isaac Rebirth is. Reggie says that Nintendo is aggressively looking into making more RPGs for Wii U. And dedicated fans are developing an unofficial third quest for The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And finally, the Nintendo Treehouse demoed footage from a ton of games this past week, uh, for E3 of course, so we will include a separate list for all that if you want to check it out. And that marks the end of this week's news segment, but after the break, we are holding our very first Mystery House. You lovely listeners have been sending us your questions, and we're gonna answer them. We haven't actually been shredding them. <laughs> so if you've asked a question, stay tuned after the break to hear your answer, and if you haven't, then stay tuned after the break to hear some awesome discussion with your favorite people in the world. <coughs> yeah. Not Colin. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Alright, welcome back to Nintendo Week. I am your host, Colin McIsaac, joined as always by Alex Plant. The Gritty Reboot. And Ben Limero. The Not Gritty Reboot. And this week's discussion segment is our very first Mystery House. You lovely listeners have been sending me your questions through email, so we are going to take some time to answer them. Uh, I'm the only one of the three of us who's seen these questions beforehand, so to Alex and Ben, they're a total mystery. Uh, so just to give them some time to think about their responses, I'll give my answers first, and then we'll move on to whoever's next. So, uh, let's get started. The first question comes from Kira. Kira asks, um, do you think the Wii U could reach the mainstream more as an art device or a creative device than a gaming system? I mean, if Nintendo launched applications or games such as RPG Maker or a 3D modeling tool with Art Academy Home Studio to attract artists or game designers, if those applications can be used as a learning tool, uh, do you think that the Wii U would have a bigger chance of reaching the mainstream a bit more? My response is, I don't think so, because those are both, I think, inherently niche audiences. So using those to capture the mainstream doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I think they could they could use those to reach more people, just period. But uh, I don't think it would be a mainstream audience. And I also don't think Nintendo is particularly inclined to to do something like release RPG Maker on Wii U. Um it's their business is is making games mostly not making art tools and and uh and game creation tools although with super mario maker i I have a question and an answer um how is kira spelled in that person k-i-r-a but that's her nickname i'm going to assume that's a death note reference and this is my favorite listener now so if you're listening kira you are awesome as for the answer to your question yeah, that's the, the main character of Death Note, Light Yagami. His nickname is Kira. Awesome. Um, in answer to your question, I don't really think that putting art programs or game-making programs on Wii U would attract that many people, just because there's already similar programs like that on tablets, and way more people own tablets or are inclined to pick up tablets than they are Wii U. And so when there's already cheap or even free apps like that available on just a much more common piece of hardware, I don't see how that would really give Wii U much of an advantage. 
Yeah, it's it's sort of a a weird uh, place that they're in because in the past when games like this, like Art Academy, have been released, they've been released on platforms that were already popular. And so they were able to sell to people who already owned the platform, but I don't think they were really selling the platforms. So they won't, it certainly won't increase Wii's visibility with the mainstream. Uh, as for game making tools, I'm kind of inclined to think that any user generated content experiences that Nintendo puts out just haven't done very well. And so putting out more is not going to help them either. Uh, Mario Maker is getting a lot of attention this year, but I think Mario Maker is also this sort of extraordinary version of a user-generated content game in the sense that Mario has lots of content that it is drawing on. So, But I don't think some kind of generic game maker will do very well, because just because I don't think things like that have traditionally sold on consoles, period, the end. Wow, that was a very curt ending. <laughs> um, so the next question comes from Wade. Um, he asks, is there a game or show or book or anything that, that you'd like a lot, but doesn't seem to have much of a following? My answer for you, Wade, is obviously the Mother series. Um, although we talk about that so much, I'm sure that's a horribly disappointing answer. So I'll give you something better. Um, in the early 2000s, Nintendo made a bunch of games for the Game Boy Advanced. They were licensed games, uh, for Hamtaro. This was a children's anime. It was about a bunch of hamsters who they all when their owners were, like, off at school, they would, like, get together in this treehouse, and it was super cute, and it was popular around that same time. I really loved it. I really loved it, and I picked up the games, and I was amazed by the fact that these these were licensed games, and they were actually really, really good, and of course they were really good, because Nintendo developed them. Believe it or not, I don't know what business Nintendo had developing licensed games, but they did, and they were great, and I loved them then, and I still play them every now and then now they're kind of short but they're still fantastic games so the hamtaro games for game boy advance i'm a big fan and obviously just not a whole lot of people know about them yeah just put on the spot here mother was also the uh the franchise that immediately jumped to my mind just because it you know only one game was ever released outside of japan and it sold so terribly in japan as well uh obviously it's, it's great to see that getting a lot more notice, and especially in the West now. I can't really think of another franchise just right off the top of my head that I think deserves more love. Ah, boo. Boo. Yeah, I'm sort of in this weird place where most of the franchises I follow are actually pretty well-known, but there's some really small one-off games that I got into on DS. Uh, my favorite one is this game called Ninja Town, which is a licensed game based on a plushy line. Uh, I forget what the company Ooh. was that makes it. But the it's a it's a really light strategy game where you build your little ninja houses and you fight with these adorable ninjas against these evil demons and you mm-hmm. use ninja star cookies to power up and ninja magical powers to fight them and it was just really fun. I had a really nice multiplayer mode. Uh, it's actually pretty challenging too. Uh, but like little one-off games like that that you kind of have never heard of but you find out about them through the grapevine and you try them out and they surprise you uh but then you never hear from them again because they don't get made into franchises uh those yeah. are those are kinds of my yeah. those are my favorite uh sort of niche uh unknowns nice so the next question here comes from hassan hassan asks what is your favorite nintendo game of all time come on man i can't answer that are we talking like uh, Nintendo exclusive or Nintendo published and developed? What, what? I don't know. He he doesn't he doesn't specify. But uh, I I would I would go with Nintendo developed slash published. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Paper Mario two, maybe Pokemon Gold, maybe uh, Tropical. I don't know. It's too hard. I, I can't. Lame. Could be Mother three though. I'm gonna go with. I really love the Super Nintendo era, so I'm gonna go go with a toss up between Earthbound and A Link to the Past. Okay, cool. Um, I have the totally original answer of Ocarina of Time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a good choice. It's just one of those standouts where, uh, you know, it was in the middle of Nintendo's sort of awkward transition to 3D, where not all their franchises were necessarily the same that they were before, but Zelda was. Zelda was definitely... Nintendo's awkward high school years. Nintendo was definitely making a Zelda game when they made Ocarina of Time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and it was a great Zelda game. It was my first, yeah. so I guess I'm a little biased, but... You always remember your first. As as a runner-up, I'm also going to toss uh, Metroid Fusion onto the list. I adore that game. I have to break it out and beat nice. it again at least once a year. Just yesterday, mm-hmm. I finished 100%ing it again. Wow. So, love it. You're a better Metroid fan than I am. 
The next question comes from James. Uh, James says, I'm two episodes behind, so forgive me if this has been discussed recently. Um, it hasn't. Um, but what do you guys think is up with Nintendo's quality of life initiative? I know they said somewhat in passing that they wouldn't be discussing it at E3, but it hasn't even really ever been referenced in many, many months. Well, I feel like NX stuff is mentioned quite often. Do you think it's still happening? Do you think whatever it is will be significant in any way? Um, it's obviously still happening. They wouldn't just abandon something like that. Uh, but I also think that, uh, well, as, as for whether it'll be significant, this is a completely new foray into a tech space that no one else has explored. Um, this is a completely brand new concept by Nintendo. Um, and I think that there is certainly potential there, and especially given Nintendo's experience with, with uh, making entertainment out of things like health, you know, if you look at the success of Wii Fit, which sold just brilliantly, um, you know, I think they, they can bring their experience in making entertainment experiences out of just, you know, living healthy lifestyles, which sounds insane, but they've done it before. Um, I think that it does have the potential to be, to be significant. Uh, you know, we'll, ha we'll just, we'll have to see what the tech is like. And I think it depends largely on that, on whether the tech itself is actually appealing. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I think, I think we can't answer that second part of the question until we know more about it. So I would say, I don't think so much that Nintendo has been talking about NX a lot as it's just that people have been asking about it a lot. Yeah. Because, uh, new dedicated hardware is a lot juicier to people than this fitness thing you know because well you know we don't really know yeah. that much about it and i don't think people are as inquisitive about it um i know they they plan to start rolling it out in 2016 so i would think that at one of these upcoming investor meetings where they you know discuss the financial forecast for the next three to six to six months to a year or something like that that we'll, we'll start to hear about that slowly um it kind of depends though if it launches in the first quarter like january through march of next year then we'll definitely hear some solid news by the end of the year because Nintendo's fiscal year ends on March 31st. So anything that launches before March 31st, they're going to want to talk to investors about pretty mm -hmm. soon. But if it's not launching until like summer or fall of next year, then we might not hear anything about it until the springtime. Um, this is kind of speculation, but bear with me. So Nintendo said in the past that they're going to try to focus on tailoring their entertainment platforms so they're more appropriate to consumption habits in individual regions. And if you look at when they first uh, released Wii, Wii was designed to be this kind of console for everyone. But we noticed a few use patterns emerge from it. You had people of all ages who were getting into Wii Sports. You had uh, traditional Nintendo gamers who were getting into the sequels for uh, uh, GameCube, GameCube and, type games. Yeah. And then you had these kinds of uh, retro revivals that, like New Super Mario Brothers, like Donkey Kong Country, that were selling to uh, lapsed Nintendo fans. But you also had this surprising group, which was senior citizens, who were buying games like Wii Fit, Wii Sports, and Big using Brain Academy. yeah, Big Brain Academy, using those to be active. And I think what's happening here is in Japan, there's this phenomenon where the population is aging, which means uh, you're having fewer young people and more older people. And so I think Nintendo is using a quality of life as a way to target entertainment at the aging Japan population. Uh, it's something that uh, fits their lifestyles because they're aging and they need to start watching their health. Uh, but it also gives Nintendo an opportunity to use the things that they did well on Wii but not have to shove them into their dedicated gaming platforms. So that's what I think is going to happen with quality of life. I think at first you'll see it, a big push in Japan, and maybe if it does well there you'll see it spread to other regions. But I think it'll start in Japan, and I think that's the pattern it will follow. I don't know when we'll hear about it, probably in 2016 when it's closer to, to launching, but I think that's what's going to happen. No, that's great speculation. So our final question for the week for our first mystery house comes from Eric. Um, Eric says, you guys have spoken many times about Nintendo's back catalog being one of their greatest assets, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's a shame that they don't spend more time investing in their virtual console. My biggest problem, though, is the number of times that I've paid for games like Super Mario Bros. and The Legend of Zelda. In my opinion, Nintendo needs to take a page from Sony's book. The PS1 back catalog is not nearly as extensive as Nintendo's, but the fact that any older PS1 title is downloadable and playable on all of their current game platforms, PS3, Vita, and PS4, and the save data can be uploaded to the cloud and you can continue your progress wherever you are. This is something that I've been starving for from Nintendo. 
I bought a copy of some of my favorite retro games on two Wii systems due to the inability to transfer purchases to a new system if the old one shorts out, as well as two 3DSs and my Wii U. Nintendo would win so much profit and so much fan admiration if they united their virtual console across all of their available platforms. Um, I would love to hear from you on this subject as, of, as it's one that I have been expecting from Nintendo for much too long. I am so with you that they need to unite their virtual console across their platforms, and the cloud saves thing would especially be amazing. I, where I'm not with you is that Nintendo would uh, have a lot of profit on this. They would obviously have a ton of, you know, fans would be ecstatic that they're coming into the 21st century. Uh, but Well, I think the, the profit part was more just directed towards if they had more of their older games available. Oh, perhaps, perhaps. Um, yeah, that, that could be it. If they had more of their older games available, profit for sure. But if they did unite the virtual console purchases between 3DS and Wii U, um, you know, they certainly wouldn't get that profit because, you know, they'd be losing out on selling the same games to the same people over and over and over again, especially, you know, if they, if they lose their purchases from an older system. Um, there's still no way to transfer those, my God. But yeah, I mean, it's something that every other company does. It's something that Nintendo should have been doing five years ago, and I can't imagine why they're not now. Um, I, I don't think there's any possible argument that anyone could make uh, against your case, Eric. I uh, believe that is a two-word argument. Please understand. <sighs> yeah. Um, I'll say there's reason to be optimistic, just because any time they talk about upcoming hardware or their upcoming partnership with DNA... Iwata always says, we want you in the future to think of Nintendo as a platform rather than Wii U and 3DS and NX as platforms. We want you to think of Nintendo as a platform that you can interact with using different devices. So, you know, they're, they're intentionally not revealing too many details, but the hope then, um, and especially going with other comments he said, where their, their new hardware should absorb the old architecture, essentially... So, uh, going forward, I think there's some reason to be optimistic that this will happen in the future. Maybe not as, as well implemented or as universal as it is with Sony, where you can buy almost anything on PS3, PS4, or Vita and have you know, cloud saves and crossplay and things like that. But I, I think this does sound like something they're trying to focus on with NX. Yeah, and I will say they're also, uh, with their partnership with DNA, their availability on mobile devices, uh, their new rewards program, this is something that is in their language of of their company and their upcoming ventures very consistently. So, I, yeah, Ben is absolutely on the head, or on the nail, on the nose, whatever. I'm tired and sick, but... <clears throat> and they did take a, a first step towards it, too, in uh, uniting your, um, your... Well, not completely uniting your account, but uniting the funds so that funds you put on your 3DS can apply to your Wii U yes. and vice versa. Yeah. So it's a very, very small step, but it is a step. And, you know, we, we know they're going to be uniting the account systems and whatnot, so there is reason to be optimistic. Hmm. I'm going to jump in on this subject from the perspective of people who think that 3DS needs to have a lot of the games that are on Wii U. And why I think that's not realistic. Uh, the reason why that is, is because the way Nintendo approaches the virtual console is they'll develop an emulator for each individual game on each individual platform it's released on. Uh, it's different from Sony's approach where they develop a one-size-fits-all PS1 emulator for each of their platforms and every game can just run in that emulator. Uh, the problem that this causes for Nintendo when they release games on multiple platforms is they have to develop a 3DS version and a Wii U version of each emulator for each game, which means they're putting development effort each time they release a new game on a on uh, on a platform, and they don't. But that's a mistake. It is a mistake. Already. I agree that that is a mistake already. I think this is a mistake that will be fixed, however, with their next platform, where this will no longer be a thing that they're doing. They will have one architecture for which they're developing everything. Uh, and the reason why I think that it's unreasonable to think that they'll put games on a lot of games on 3DS going forward is none of those games, none of the development effort put into those games is going to in any way be forward compatible with future platforms. Whereas it sounds like with Wii U, everything that they're doing will be in some way compatible. They're going to use a similar architecture or an architecture that's compatible. Uh, so I, honestly, I think if you want Virtual Console to be awesome in the future and you want to not have to pay for your games again... Ask them to put stuff on Wii U. Don't ask them to put it on 3DS. Also, uh, buy it on Wii U. Also, yeah, definitely sales, buy it on the Wii The more sales that they have on Wii U, the more they're going to say, hey, we need to work on getting the Wii U stuff to work. Yeah. Especially if that means buying EarthBound and EarthBound Beginnings. Yes, because uh, <laughs> you'll make Colin happy. Uh, I'll definitely, uh, 
you know, join the bandwagon on the whole, they really do need to offer what people expect from a modern account system. And especially from a modern uh, software ecosystem, they need people to just buy their games, keep them forever, eat the costs it takes to make that happen because you're going to have satisfied customers that way. And that will get you more money in the long run than selling them the same games twice. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, that is uh, our final question. So that's all for our final mystery house. Uh, We're going to keep doing more of these as time goes on, of course. So if you want to have your questions read on the show, be sure to email them to colin at gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at gamnesia.com. G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. You know how .com is spelled. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you have good things to say instead of bad ones. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to colin at gamnesia.com. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show like we just did, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's colin at gamnesia.com. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even more Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. It would not make sense to have a multiplayer game. I'm going to re-say that because my wife is cursing in the background. (laughs)